2 Corinthians chapter 4, and uh, we're going to read from verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, reading verse 6 through to verse 10. And once you're there, uh, as we always do, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word. That's 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 6 through to verse 10. Once you're there, if you're able to stand, please stand, and we'll read audibly the Word of God together. Let's read it together then. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Let's pray together this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your help and for your anointing, Lord, upon your word. We thank you for the real sense of your presence. Lord, we pray, Lord, even Lord, remembering the words of the hymn that we have sung this morning, stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey, for to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day, ye that are men, now serve him against unnumbered foes, that courage rise with danger and strength to strength Opposed. Father, we pray that there would be a battle cry that would come from this house today that men would serve the Lord. Oh, Father, we pray today that men would rise up from slumber and sleep, backsliddenness, battling with sin and darkness. Oh, and coldness, and Lord, put a fire in our hearts today. Lord, that out of the midst of your bride would come a cry, a cry from our hearts, O God, that we will serve the Lord. Lord, we be gone, Lord, with coldness and deadness and religion, Lord, and living, Lord, an empty life, Lord, with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Jesus, do your work in our hearts today, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would seal us afresh. You would set us in fire, O God. Lord, we leave here today, Lord, with a fresh fire in our bones, filled with the Holy Ghost and power and determined that we will fight the good fight of faith and we will finish this course. Oh God, let us live this life with eternity in view. Lord, we pray that every shackle, Lord, and every chain of this world and all the temporal attractions would be severed in our hearts today and we would wholly be given to Jesus. Lord, to fight the good fight, O God. Lord, anoint us both to preach and to hear your word today. We ask it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats together this morning. I want to speak on living this life in the light of eternity. You know, God created, God created man. He said, let us, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, let us, Make man in our image and after our likeness. And he gave man dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing. So God created man. God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female, God created man and God created woman we see from this reading in genesis chapter one that god is a tripartite being he is father he is son and he is spirit that is the blessed trinity of which we hold but man is made we are created beings everyone in this room is created in the image of god despite the influence and the liberal and the social justice agenda and the rights agenda God created man and God created woman. We are, every person in this room, whether you're saved or you're not saved, this is important for you to know, we are a tripart being. We are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. You're made up of three parts. You're made 
in the very image of God. Whether you believe in God or not, you're made in His image. You've been created by God. God has made you in His own image. And you are body, and you are soul, and you are spirit. The body, of course, is very obvious. It's the physical aspect of our being. We have five senses. We hear, we see, we smell, we taste, and we touch. That is the physical part of our being. The body itself. I'll come back to that in a moment. And then we have the soul. The soul of man. And that is the personality. That's who you really are. That's the personality. It's the emotion, emotions. It's the feelings. It's the thought. It's the mind. Every person in this room, you have a body. But within that body, there is a soul. And that is who really you are that identifies you as an individual. Let me tell you something. There is nobody else like you. You can go across this world and you'll never find another you. You are unique. Someone might have said to you that with this bit of sarcasm before, but I want to tell you something. You are unique. There is actually nobody else that has ever been born or will ever be born that's like you. You are individual, but you've been created by God. You are completely and totally unique. There is only one of you. There is no one else like you. You are absolutely and totally unique. There is no one ever else going to be born. Let this sink in this morning. That's like you. You are completely, fearfully, and wonderfully made. You are unique in the sight of God. When God made you, God broke the mold. Have you ever heard that being said? When they made him, they broke the mold. And people said, maybe in a flippant way, but it's actually true. There is no one else like Joshua. There is no one else like Saskia. There is no one else like Matthew in all of this world. There is no one else like Trevor. There is no one else like Joanna. There's nobody else in the world like Adrian. There's nobody else in the world like Tommy. You're completely and totally a one-off. And God made you. It is unique that God created of 8 billion people in this world. There is no two of one. Everyone is an individual. You've been fearfully and wonderfully and gloriously created by an almighty God. And in you there's a soul. That's the personality. That's the emotions. That's your feelings. That's your will. That's your mind. That's who really you are. On the outward we dress different. We maybe look a little bit different. But really we're all much made of the same stuff. But inside is really the person who you really are. And God knows you. On the outward man will look. But on the inward God looks right into the very heart and into the soul of a man or a woman. And God knows you. God knows who you are. God knows your personality. God knows. Did we sing it or pray it this morning? He knows our thoughts. He knows our tears. He knows our conversations that we have in our inward man. God knows our wills, our ambitions, our hopes, our plans. He knows everything about the minute detail of our lives. God knows you. The Almighty God knows you intimately. He knows everything about you. You cannot hide from Him. He's your Creator. Whether you believe in God, you've rejected God, whether you've walked away from God, whether you're sitting here with a rebellious heart today and, and resisting God, God knows you. God created you. God has a purpose for your life. The third part of our being then is the Spirit. This is the means by which we connect with God. We connect with God in the Spirit. He looks for worshipers who worship Him in what? In spirit and in truth. So this is the means by which we worship God. We communicate with God. We love God. We, we praise God. We pray to God. It's all in the spiritual man. So that third part is crucial. We want to enter into the spirit of the meeting. We want to worship God in the spirit of this meeting this morning. We want to get out of our flesh and out of our soulish nature with all the thoughts of the world. But we want to enter into the spirit of the meeting. And when we enter into the Spirit of God, 
then we begin to be lifted by the power of the Spirit and enter into the realm of worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. We can enter in in the Spirit right into the throne room of God this morning and we can worship Him that's seated upon the throne. We can forget about ourselves, our soulish nature and our physical nature and we can enter into the realms of glory because the veil has been rent from the top to the bottom. So often we miss this area of worshiping God in spirit. I want to look at the soul for a moment again. And then I want to look at the spirit in more detail. And I want to come back to the body. But in Genesis chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, if you would follow this for a moment. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible tells us there that God, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Here is man created by God, by the handiwork of the Almighty. And then as he's created him from the dust of the ground, the Bible says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the Bible says that man became a living soul. This is the creator. This is the first man I know it goes against the grain, it goes against the education system, it goes against the philosophers and the scientists, but this is the Word of God. God created man, and He breathed into the nostrils of Adam the very breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. He was unique in creation. The soul, remember, is who you are. There is there is, let me stress it again, there is actually only one of you. There is nobody else like you. I don't say that in a prideful way. I say that in a factual way. There is nobody else like you. You're known in, I want you to listen carefully, you were known in the very heart of God. I want you to hear this this morning. Even before you were born, now, I want you to hear this. I want you to comprehend this if you can because it is difficult, but I really want you to grasp this. You were known in the thought and in the purpose and heart of God before your mummy held you in her arms at your birth. When your mummy held you as a little baby and as all mummies do and say, isn't he beautiful or isn't she beautiful? Before your mother ever held you in her hands, before you were birthed, before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you. God had a thought towards you. Before you had a body that has grown into a man or a woman, God knew you. Before your parents planned to have you as a child, God knew you. God thought about you. God purposed your life. Your life no matter what the circumstance of your birth, and I want you to hear this very clearly, you are not a mistake. You're purposed by Almighty God. You've been brought into this world for a purpose, for a plan, and that purpose is to come to know God through the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, but then the unfolding great purpose and plan that God has for you as an individual. And so before you were born, God knows you. That is why, friends, as the devil with the apparatus that he is about are trying to establish all across the north of this country to, to slaughter 6,500 babies a year, it is from hell itself. It is from hell itself. And it is the NHS that will implement this. And I know everyone's going crazy about the heroes. And I thank God for Christian doctors and Christian nurses and those that work in that field. But let me tell you, friend, this is from hell. And God knows your life. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, if you turn to it this morning, I want you to listen very carefully. The Bible tells us here clearly God speaking to Jeremiah, and I don't believe it's just Jeremiah or just the Apostle Paul. I believe it's everybody because he's almighty. He's God. Jeremiah 1 and 5, God says to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, he says these words. I want you to hear this. Young people, I want you to hear this. 
Children, I want you to hear this. Older people, I want you to hear this. Before I formed thee in the belly, God says, I knew you. I want you to let that sink in for a moment. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, God says, I knew you. Isn't that remarkable? Before you were in your mother's womb, God says, I knew you. I had thought about you. I had purposed your life. And before thou comest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And not only did he sanctify him or separate Jeremiah, but then he says, and I've ordained thee. In other words, I have a plan for your life. For Jeremiah, he was to be a prophet. And so that simply clearly teaches us this morning that before you were formed in your mother's womb, that God knows you, and that God has purposed your life, and God has a plan for your life. Everyone in this room, regardless if you're saved or not saved, if you're saved, you've entered in to the beginning of the most exciting life that you can live in the purpose and in the plan of God. If you're not saved, it's that God wants you to come into the knowledge through Jesus Christ of God, be born of the Spirit, connect with God, I suppose is the word, but then you can live the purposes of God for your life. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 11, if you turn over, this is what the Lord says. And I'm sure you know this verse well. You'll find it in many walls, in many living rooms. But I want to read it to you this morning. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Can you comprehend this morning, everybody in this room, that God is thinking thoughts toward you? Almighty God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the almighty God, a thrice holy God, that God himself is thinking thoughts toward you this morning. Listen, you may be sitting here and you may be in a daze. Your mind might have already wandered. You're already into the soulish part of your being, thinking about later, thinking about tomorrow, thinking about what you're going to do. But God's thinking about you. That's remarkable. You have no thought of God, but yet He's thinking about you. The Almighty God, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, and He's thinking about you, and you have no thought of Him. Actually, in your heart, you're resisting God. You've rebelled against God. You've said things against God. You've turned against Him. You've said horrible things. You've turned your back, like so many of us turned our back against God. But you know what? He still pursued us. Because he thinks about us and he loves us. It's remarkable. He's an awesome God. I have thoughts I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you an expected end. To give you hope. To give you an end that you can rejoice in. A robe of white, a, a victor's palm, a mansion bright. Glory, we're going home. That's the thoughts that he has toward us. The psalmist said, you possess my reins, you have formed my inward parts, you have covered me in my mother's womb. God covered your life in your mother's womb. You know, you think of the uncovering of so many lives by what is about to happen. It is, it is heart-rending. It, it actually is terrible what we are witnessing, what we're seeing what they're trying to implement. Friends, this morning, the church should be on its knees weeping at the loss of lives in the midst of a pandemic. They tell us about saving lives, but yet they're about to slaughter thousands of lives. And there's no thought about it. There's no halt about it. There's no emergency meeting about it. There's no shutting down the shops. Stopping society. 6,000 souls are about to be slaughtered. Stop! But we move on. And we carry on. Thou hast possessed my reins. You have formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And I will praise thee. Why? For I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. Can I tell you, friend, this morning, you are fearfully 
You are wonderfully created by Almighty God. And He thinks thoughts towards you. He thinks thoughts to give you hope and an expected end. He's a plan and He's a purpose and He loves and He pursues you and He wants you to come into His purpose and His plan. Specific purpose for the individual is first of all to come to the knowledge of Christ and enter into relationship. Can I, I want you to listen now. We're a tripart being body and soul and spirit. I want you to just grasp this this morning. But your soul is going to live beyond your body. I'm going to say that again. Your soul is going to live beyond your body. The body that we so often look after so well. Dress up and make it look the best and try to look after it and dicky it up whatever way we can. But your soul is going to live beyond the body that you have. The body that you walk through these doors with this morning is simply just a tent that you've been given for a, a specific time. God knows the day you were born. God knows the day that you'll die. One day this tent is going to drop, but you're going to live beyond your body. Beyond the physical realm. That's why Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? But what? He'll lose his soul. Jesus said, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear, fear him that is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. You see, your body is a temporal thing. Your body is a temporal thing. Remember the message is living the life in the light of eternity. But your body is not eternal. Your body is temporal. You're going to have it for a set pace of time. Nobody knows. We know the day we're born. That's for sure. Everyone knows what day they were born in. And maybe you may know the very time you were born. But not one of us in this room know the day that we'll die. But God knows. God knows. And so we look at the spirit for a moment. Adam became a living soul. He lived in a spiritual realm with God in complete harmony. God blessed him with Eve. And God gave them dominion over all the animal kingdom and everything that God made was good. The Lord said to the man of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For the day that you eat of that tree... You'll die. You'll die. When Adam and Eve ate of that tree, you remember, of course, did they die physically? No. Did their souls die? No, because the personality of Adam lived on. But spiritually, they died. That's why the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passes upon all men. Adam was separated spiritually. Spiritually, he died separated from God. So that's why when we're born and our soul has a body, an earthen vessel, but we are spiritually separated from God. We are spiritually separated. Body, soul, spirit, but the spirit is separated. We're in darkness. We're born in sin, dead and trespasses in sin. Bible says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities, your sin, that's what separates us between you and your God. Your sins have, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. We are born spiritually dead. We're a tripart being, but we are spiritually dead. Yes, a body, and that body is perishing. Every day our body is perishing. We are perishing. The body is getting older and it's getting weaker and it's getting frailer. And we will all die one day. In Psalm 90 and verse 10, wonder can you help me with the numbers here? But the day of our years, the Bible says, the day of our years in Psalm 90 and verse 10 are three score and ten. Many years is that? Seventy years. Seventy years. The days of our years are three 
years, threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, how many years is that? Eighty. Yet is their strength and labor and sorrow for, this is what the Bible says, it is soon, listen carefully, it is soon cut off. You know what it says? And we fly away. Now I want you to be very careful if you're well below the 70, thinking at least I'll get 70. Let me tell you something, friends. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Nobody knows. People die young. People die old. But everybody's going to die. Oh, well, I'm in my 20s here. And he said, when we get 70, it might, might be nice to get the 80. Actually, I know somebody's 90-something. Let me tell you something, friend. You're not the boasting tomorrow. You see, your body that you have your body, think about this for a moment. Your body that you have, do you know all it is? It's simply a tent. Anyone got a tent? You like camping? You get that tent out, you put it up. It takes you about four hours to put it up and you wonder why you got it out to put it up. But you get that tent out, you put the tent up, you put the pegs in, you sleep in it for a couple of nights and then what do you do? You pull the pegs out and it just all falls down. And it's rolled back up again, it's put back in the bag and that's the end. The body is simply a tent. We are living in a world that people are completely possessed with how their body looks. Have you ever seen the like of it? And all the different things that you can do to try and keep yourself looking younger. I believe you should keep yourself clean and fresh as best you can. It helps. It's good to have cleanliness and wash. and Those are good, proper things to do, everyday things. But... The way we have come to today, friends, is it is frightening. We are obsessed with the body. You see, it's a sign of the times that actually we worship the creature more than the creator. We worship ourselves. It's actually a sign of the last days. We're more interested in the worship of ourselves and how we look and how we how we present ourselves and how we stay young and how we stay beautiful. This is simply a tent. We have an expected lifespan, but it can perish at any moment. The label on the body is all the same. We're made of the same stuff. It's called flesh. No flesh will die. Our tents are all different, but we're all made of the same material. Each tent is unique with that soul, with personality, thought, will, and emotions, but all tents are born in sin, and there's no spiritual light in that tent. It is dark. It is simply dark. Outside of Christ, often our whole focus is about the tent perishing, the temporal. When we want the tent to look well, clean, tidy, fancy, we spend all that we can upon the tent, yet on the inside it is empty, dark, spiritually dead, and in despair. The purpose for life is to come to know God through the Lord Jesus Christ and enter into the wonderful purpose and plan that He has for you. The Bible says, And you hath He quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, blinded by the power of the Spirit of this world, the devil, and held in darkness, but the light in our reading shone into our hearts. It is the Amplified Version that says this, For God who said, Let the light shine out of darkness. Remember what He said in the beginning? Let there be light. And it says, Has shone in our hearts as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and the glory of God as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. However, we possess the precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel and frail human vessels of earth that the grandeur and the exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not ourselves. When we by faith repent and invite Jesus into our hearts, God comes to dwell in our tents. 
A light is lit up within our hearts. That is Jesus Christ, the light of the world. The power of darkness is broken by the illuminating power of the Spirit of God and Jesus enters into our lives and no longer are we in darkness, but we are alive in Him. Friends, we're living in a day we're in the tents. It is not just darkness. It is actually gross darkness. You know, we were encouraged, greatly encouraged, just a few mornings ago, spending a wee bit of time with Ruth, listening to as she shared the freshness of that light being lit up in that heart as she talked about the Lord. And that's how friends would phone her up and say, at the end of term, oh, we're, we're, we're going out to this club, we're going to do this. And she says, but I'm saved now. I don't do that. That's a strange thing even in the church today. It's not because there's a thou shalt not do this. It's because she has the light of God and she's no need to do that. It's so refreshing to say, but I'm saved and I don't go there anymore. What has happened Brothers and sisters, I want to speak of a few things this morning. Those that I can share, because I'm mindful of the type of congregation that we have this morning, but some things need to be said. Some things need to be said. Because we're living in a world where it's not just darkness, but it's gross darkness. It's gross darkness. I want you to listen very carefully. We're living in an age of gross darkness. You know, when I was growing up as a kid, we're, we're in, a, in a generation, you know, the very older folks among us, and some of them, even if you think of Tommy there, maybe way up in his 90s, Tommy Taylor, he's not with us this morning, but you know, he came and he was born in an age where they had no running water in their house. He was born in a time when there was no light switch. It was a gas lamp in their living room. And now he's lived a whole life to come to where we are today where everything that we have is at the touch of a button on your hand. It's actually, it's pretty remarkable. It's still mind-blowing, really, if you think about it. And then there's many of us that are in the middle of that road between the, the two extremes, and we're saying, well, mobile phones just came in when I was maybe up near 20 or whatever it was, but you're trying to work out everything that's happened in this world. When I was growing up, the world was a pub, or smoking cigarettes. Today, the, the world has completely changed. The devil has so many more avenues in which he can present the world to all of us, and that is simply at the touch of a button in the palm of your hand, and you have the whole world at your hand. You don't need to go to a bar, and you don't need to go to a club. You don't need to go to a drug den. You can have the world right in your hand, right here. You see, it's, listen, ye that are men, now serve him. I want you to hear me this morning. Friends, there's a battle. And most of the time, people will not talk about it. We will not pray about it. We will not speak about it because it's all hidden in darkness. And who is the prince of darkness? It's the devil himself. And he has destroyed. I want you to listen to me. I don't under, this is not an exaggeration. He has destroyed the young people of our nation. He has destroyed marriage after marriage. And he has destroyed calling after calling because of the power of darkness that's in your hand. I want you to hear me this morning, friend. This is serious. We do have a pandemic. Achan, you remember him in Joshua chapter 7, when Israel are going forward in the battle with victory, unto victory, but in the depths of his tent and in the, in the very bottom of his tent, he had taken a Babylonian garment and silver and gold that he should not have taken, and he buried it way down into the depths of his being, and he hid it there, but yet defeat came. They were God's people, but they were living in defeat. They were not living in the victory and in the abundant life that Christ had for them. Right down into the depths of their heart, there was sin that was there that God knew about, and there was no victory. And God hasn't come to this house this morning 
to condemn you and to beat you and to take you out in the street like the woman who was caught in adultery and stoned you. God's here on a mission that he has mercy. He's the great deliverer. And it's not classes and counseling you need, friends. It's you need to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Because if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's the baptism in the Holy Ghost that keeps men free and living in the victory. And so we can, in the depths of his tent, you see you've got a tent this morning, but you see beyond the tent, I want you to listen, ye that are men. The church, like never before, need men. Listen, we need men because the world are trying to destroy manhood through the agenda of the homosexual agenda and through the trans, transgender agenda. Its whole purpose is to destroy who a man is. But God created you a man. And He wants you to live a man full of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I know the whole liberal crowd be going nuts now, but friends, let them go nuts. But you see, friends, so many times we rise up out of our tents, as it were, to fight the good fight, but we've never dealt with what's buried in the depths of our hearts. We want to claim the promise of the fullness of the Holy Ghost, but we know in that tent, way deep down in that ground, there's something buried that we have battled with, that we have struggled with, that we have wept over, but I want to tell you, friends, God is here as the great deliverer. He can tell me. God's not here to stone your friend like that wee woman caught in adultery. Remember all, we're standing round her with the stones if we're going to take her out. Oh, we've caught her in the very act. I know, thank God, we can fall into the hands of mercy with Jesus this morning. But let me tell you, friends, and Jesus got down on his knees and I believe it this morning that when he wrote in the ground, I believe he just wrote mercy. Even some in the church may kill you, but thank God that Christ has come to save you. But you see, you can have to be real. You have to deal with the depths of his heart, and I believe God wants to deal with the depths right into the very intimate being of the tent. What's in your tent? The light does not come to condemn us. Yes, it will expose sin, but the light has come to save us. What does that tent need and how is that light maintained? It's maintained by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, give us oil in our lamps and may the light burn brighter the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit, that they don't look at Brent and see Brent, but they see the Christ within him illuminating out of his life. How is that possible? It's oil. But you see, when there's something buried in the tent, it grieves the Holy Ghost. It, it grieves him. He's grieved. He, he doesn't want us to live in defeat. He doesn't want us to live and scrambling around with our sin and living under the devil's boot. He wants us to live free and in the victory. And he's grieved because so often we keep it buried. We think we can manage it. We think we can do it. We think we can live it in our own strength. How many times I've tried to live this life, particularly as a young believer in the power of my own flesh, and every time I've failed. But I do know that there's a baptism in the Holy Ghost that you can live in the victory over all sin. But the devil's so subtle. Oh, I know sometimes you see what we do is we're a bit like Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah says, listen, we know we have a promise, but listen, it hasn't come. So what we'll do is we'll get Hagar and we'll create something of ourselves. And so an Ishmael's born, but you can't have an Ishmael and an Isaac in the tent. You can't have the promise in the world. Young people, you can't live in the world and the church. You've got to put the Ishmael out and claim the promise and live in the victory. Many are like in Eli's day. 
like the temple where it says, an heir, heir, the lamp of the Lord had gone out. In other words, that it wasn't, it wasn't shining like it used to. Remember the days there was a lamp that was lit in your heart when the fire was burning in your belly, when you were on fire for prayer meetings and outreach and serving the Lord. There was a passion to stand for Jesus. Stand up! Where are the men that will stand in these days? They want to turn the men into sissies. They want to turn the men into women or whatever gender that is. Friends, God created us men and God created us women. Oh, Tim, you need to be careful. That may be a bit harsh. I want to tell you something, friends. I'm not trying to be harsh, but we are facing hell on our streets, hell in our schools, hell in our workplace, and there's an underflow of hell that often we don't pull out and expose it, but this morning, by the grace of God, we need to expose what it is. Not expose the people, but expose the power of sin and the power of the devil. Because he's a liar. We get a wee uh, newsletter. Brother Joe, we'd post it up to us. Brother Joe Shea. Intercessors for Britain. People that love these ministries that have their hand and their fingers on the pulse of what's taking place in our nation. I want to tell you, friends, I, I can't read a lot of it publicly. But this is shocking. This is shocking what's happening. And you know largely where it's happening, and it's sad, it's happening among our young people. Many of us as parents, we're not up in all the tech, and we're not up with all the stuff that's going on. But I want to tell you, parents, we need help. We need the wisdom of God. We need the power of God. We need to pray over our young people. And they know more about it than any of us. They know all what's going on. But during the lockdown, an off-come study, it's a worldly study, of course, found that over 50% of the adult population were on adult sites in lockdown. Over 50% of the adult population in the United Kingdom were on adult sites. If that does not concern you, that doesn't cause you to think for a moment, if that's the case, I don't know how many adults there are. Say there's something like 40 million adults or 20 million kids. But that means over 20 million people in this nation were delved into the depths of horror of sin and gross darkness over lockdown. Any wonder our streets are a mess. Any wonder marriages are broken. Any wonder the family unit's been destroyed. Any wonder our government are filled with adulterers and adulteresses. Any wonder there's an agenda that's destroying everything. Because in the depths of it all, the devil has held power over so many lives. I want you to hear this. Ofsted reported 80% of girls, young girls, have been pressurized into sending images that they should not send. 80%. I want you to hear it this morning, friends. I'm not saying it to try and embarrass anyone. But I just feel this morning, you know, the devil hates light. I'm saying it because we need to be aware, but not only be aware, oh, we got another statistic. Surely it should drive us to our knees. A study for the government found that many children, the average age is 11, that are now delving into sites they shouldn't delve into. The average age is 11, 11 years old. And they delve in not just to, right into the depths of so many things. And that is, that is why, listen to me friends, that we are seeing an explosion of homosexuality in our young generation. It's through the internet. Oh, I know it sounds like I'm out of the ark, old-fashioned, against everything. No friends, it's the damage, it's the destruction 
It's the distortion. God has created you a man and a woman and keep yourself pure before the Lord and live a life holy unto Him and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And if it's His will, He'll have a husband, He'll have a wife and you live in holy matrimony in the sight of God and He'll bless your life. Friends, we are living in a day when we sing the song, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross. I want it to mean something so much more than just a good tune or a good beat. We're not going to cut it with living a half-baked life for Jesus in the world in which we're in. I want you to hear me this morning. God's looking for men and women and young people that are going to say, I am going to live all this life for Jesus and Jesus alone. The Bible says, Know ye not that your body, your body, that you have this temporal body, do you know what it is? It's the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own. You've been brought with the price, and therefore glorify God in your body and in in your spirit, which are God's. Peter said these words, I'm closing in a few moments. Peter said these words in 2 Peter 1 and 14. Shortly, I must put off this tent. That's what Peter said, this tabernacle. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. He had a knowledge <clears throat> that he was about to die, which was far better, and to go home to be with the Lord. And he says, in a little while, in a little while, I'm going to put this old tent off. One day, I believe this, one day the pegs <clears throat> of our tent, one day, I don't know when that is, when our day is, but I believe all will happen if the Lord does not return, one day the, tag, the pegs will simply be pulled up and the tent, the body, will just fold back into the ground from which it came. If you'll allow me, I do believe it this way, that God will send the angels because it's appointed on the man once to die. He'll send his angels for his saints and one day the saints will just come to your tent and they'll simply just pull up the pegs and that old tent will fall to the ground and they'll usher you absent from the body to be present with the Lord forever. You'll get a new body, one that's not subject to death, praise the Lord. But one day the angels will come. One day they'll come. And they'll just simply pull up the pegs. It's as simple as that. You'll take your last breath. And if you're saved, you're a breath away from the eternal presence of Almighty God. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. There's a phrase I want to leave you with. It is attributed to D.L. Moody. Many of you will know it. It says, The world is yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him by God's help. I aim to be that man. It was actually said to Moody by a man called Henry Varley. He was a British revivalist who had met the young Moody in Dublin. Years later when they met again, Henry says to Moody, do you remember the, or Moody says to Henry, do you remember the words that you spoke to me, Henry? And Henry couldn't really remember the phrase, but then Moody said these words. He says, ah, those were the words that were sent to my soul. Through you from the living God, and as I crossed the wide Atlantic, the boards of the deck of the vessel were engraved with them. 
When I reached Chicago, the very paving stones seemed marked with Moody. The world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. Under the power of those words, I've come back to England and I felt that I must not let more time pass until I let you know how God has used your words in my inmost soul. It was words that were penetrated right into the very depths of Moody's soul, right into the depths of his tent. God used those words to light up that life. A man who was a simple man, but how God used D.L. Moody is absolutely profound. A life, a life fully consecrated to God. The light shines brighter, not by power, not by might, but the light shines brighter by my spirit. It was a moment that just the other day, it personally really gripped me. I didn't watch the service. I think I watched the opening couple of minutes. And then I didn't watch the tribute so much or the message. But I was interested in one thing when Pastor McConnell was, funeral was taking place. The coffin was at the front of that great cathedral down there on the shore road. Then I watched, because I just looked for a moment, waited to see as they carried the remains out the doors of that great building out the outer doors, out into the car park. And I just watched. This was the point I wanted to see. Strange, but I just believe the Lord wanted me to see it. Maybe it didn't affect anybody else, but I know it affected me. Then they lowered the coffin into the back of that hearse and they closed the door and the hearse just pulled up to the gates just at the shore road there, if you know it. And the hearse stopped and there the camera stood for a moment just right down on that hearse in that coffin and the remains of Pastor McConnell in that coffin. And then it just waited for a few moments. In that moment, there was like a fresh grip. The old pegs had been pulled up. He'll never preach another message. He'll never give out another gospel tract. He'll never come to another prayer meeting. He'll never have another opportunity to gather around the Lord's table and give thanks. He'll never have the privilege of bringing his tithe and his offering into the house of God. He'll never have the privilege of fighting another fight with the devil and the world and the flesh. He'll never have another privilege to believe God for the things which are impossible. He'll never be able to serve God in the tent or fulfill the purpose and the plan of God that God has for every life. I believe, I believe I'm right in saying that he finished his course and he fought a good fight and he did what God had called him to do. But never again will he be able to repeat that life. That life has now expired and he's now present from that body, that tent, but he is now present with the Lord. You see, when the tent pegs are pulled up, saints, it's over. This is it. This is not a dress rehearsal and all the fiddling about and playing about and playing games with God and playing games and all the excuses. This is it. We have one life to live and it's soon going to be past. But only... Only what's done for Christ is going to last. If the Lord tarries, if the Lord tarries, we'll all go the same way because we're just men. We'll go the same way. God buries His workers, but His work carries on. And one day, if you're here, you attend this church, well, I'll say me in case you get offended or you get panicky. One day, the Lord tarries, the remains, this old tent will be in a box at the front of 
Maybe the new building. Who knows? But your remains might be there too one day. Because you think you're going to live forever. And the old tent pegs will be pulled up and will be let out. But it's only what's done for Christ is going to last. The Bible says, as I close, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, that is where your soul, your heart is going to be. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, don't take any thought of your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Brothers and sisters, serve God and serve Him in the light of eternity. Because this life is short and it's soon going to be over. And you don't want to get to the end of your days if you're given some days on a deathbed to be saying, I wish I had of. I wish I had lived the way he wanted me to live. I wish I had given my all, not just a part. Ye that are men, Serve Him. Serve Him. Serve Him with all of your heart. Go out for God. Go all the way. Hold nothing back. Because Christ is coming. But surely Christ will call. We want to be ready. We want to be faithful. We want to be found doing when He comes. He's coming. Many people believe it. He could come or he could call. But let us give him everything. Surrender our lives and get filled with the power of his spirit. Let's pray together this morning. David, did you come and Johnny and Jillian? Father, this morning we still our hearts and our minds before you. Settle our our whole being before your throne of grace. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Oh God, Lord, you know what's in the depth of every heart in this room. Lord, you know even the things that we have buried. Oh God, we pray for mercy that we would not grieve you with keeping the things in our tent that do not please you. Lord, I pray that you would give grace and give help because we know you're a God of mercy. Lord, you're calling men and women to live for God. Lord, to be on fire for you, to stand for you in these days. Oh God, we pray, Lord, that there would be a presentation of bodies before your throne of grace by the mercy of God, that you would consume each and every one. Lord, we give you our hearts afresh. We give you our lives afresh. For those that do not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that they get saved in this meeting. Lord, because we don't know when the tent pegs will be pulled. But Lord, we want to be saved and ready. Oh, Father, this morning I pray for your church in this land. Yes. Lord, forgive us. Lord, for how far we've plunged into lukewarmness deadness, religion, and apathy, 
coldness and half-heartedness. How we've allowed the world to swamp us. To come in, Lord, and to strip us of our power and our authority in Christ. Lord, I pray today there be a fresh consecration of our hearts. Lives fully and wholly given to Thee. O God, I pray for those that are cold in heart and the lamp has grown dim. Lord, would you this morning, Lord, forgive us and set us ablaze with the power of the Holy Ghost. May there be sweet repentance in this house today, Lord. May you find a repentant heart, Lord, not just a nodding head, not just an amen from our lips, but Lord, a deep work in our hearts. Lord, a true repentance. Lord, would you fill every one of us with the Holy Ghost. Lord, I pray against the powers of darkness that yes. take authority in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Lord, we know that the apparatus that the enemy has established in many lives and many homes through the internet, through phones. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus today, Lord, that we would hate sin like you hate it. That you would give us a strong conviction, Lord. Lord, we pray, O oh God, that you would ignite our young people, Lord, and fill them with the power of your Spirit, Lord. Lord, I pray that we would flee fornication, O oh God, and youthful lust, and Lord, that we would live the life to serve you, Lord, with all of our hearts. Lord, we would get on fire for Jesus. Lord, I pray we put away the pointing of the finger and blaming others like Adam said of old, it's the woman that you give me, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would simply open our hearts and say, Lord, it is I. Have mercy. And Lord, we thank you that you're full of mercy. So God, today I pray there will be a consecration in this house as we sing our closing song this morning, that we would consecrate our lives, whether it be on our knees, whether we're standing, wherever we are, but we would consecrate our lives afresh this morning. Lord, we just ask, have your way in every life. In Jesus' name, amen.